Daniel chapter 4. Praise the Lord. This, uh, while you're turning there, I'll just start out by uh, telling you this past week, uh, Apple products, they had a release, and every so often, every periodically, they will, they will release their latest products, and they will talk about their latest operating system for their computers and their phones, and, and uh, usually when they do that, they will uh, you know, have some guy standing on a stage, and he's got a big screen behind him, and the person will stand up on the stage and explain what's new with Apple products and so on and so forth, um, you know, the latest iPhone or latest iPad and things like that, but I didn't, I didn't watch it or anything this week. I don't know what all they released. I did go back and read a little bit that they had released a, a new iPad, upgraded iPad, you know, it's the fastest, the best, you know, you know how they do it, you know, they want you to buy their products, and... Uh, so they did that, and they also talked about their latest operating system. So if you have an Apple phone, um, the iOS 14 is out now, which is their latest and greatest. I haven't downloaded it yet. But anyway, I said all that to say that Apple, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar company. I mean, they're all over the world, and they, their products are all over the place, and they're very successful in what they do. Um, but Apple isn't, hasn't always been what it is right now. And... A guy named Steve Jobs, of course, he founded Apple and back in the 70s, and he, he got it going, got it built up, but he, um, they got to a point in the 90s where they kind of had some trouble, and so he recruited a CEO to come in and lead Apple, and he stepped aside and he headed up the Macintosh division, which was the computer side of that. This was in the 90s, and so they had this new CEO that he recruited, and they're they, they tried that for a while, and they go for about a year, and after a year, uh, there was conflict, and there was complaints in the company, and there's all these problems that are keep propping up, and the board of directors of Apple and the new CEO that Steve Jobs had recruited, they actually um, removed Steve Jobs from his position as the head of the Macintosh division. They actually ousted him, fired him, and... Steve Jobs talked about it later, and he said it was a disgrace. It was a, you know, it was very public. You know, here I was, the founder of this company, and now I'm on the outside. And so they kicked him out for about a year. He was not a part of the company. After a year, the the, pro, the problems continued within the Apple company, and so um, they brought Steve Jobs back. And then in the early 2000s is whenever. They brought out the iPod, and then a few years later, the iPhone, and, and then the iPad, and, and now it is what it is today. Apple's this, this huge company. But um, I, I share that today because it's kind of reminiscent of what happens in Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar's the king of Babylon, and he's very successful, and he builds the kingdom up, but all of a sudden, he's ousted. All of a sudden, he's kicked out. Uh, the Lord removes him from his position as the king. But then after a period of time, Nebuchadnezzar is restored and brought back into the position of the king there in Babylon. So it's very interesting. And I want us to read these verses here from Daniel chapter 4, and then we're going to get into them and talk about what happened to this man. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. And Daniel chapter 4 is actually a, a lot of it, Nebuchadnezzar's telling the story. It's like he's sharing his testimony. And so he talks in the first person in a lot of this 
part of the chapter. So verse 28 says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar, and at the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The king has departed from thee. The kingdom has departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men. Thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. Seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and give it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for my glory, for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and brightness returned unto me. My counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. And so here was Nebuchadnezzar, this very proud man, and God humbled him. God removed him out of that position. And, and that's what happens when people get proud is, is God will deal with them. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of proud people. There's a lot of people that defy God. There's a lot of people that, um, you know, they don't like to hear what God has to say. They, they push back. But when people become proud toward God, he's going to deal with them. And uh, God humbled this man. And I would just say here at the beginning that it's a lot easier, a lot better if we humble ourselves before God now than to wait for some future event when God has to humble us. And when every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, that's going to happen at some point. Um, But here was this man, Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a dreamer, of course. Brother Jones pointed that out last week. Nebuchadnezzar was a man who had dreams. And the first recorded dream that he had was the one that Brother Jones taught about last week in Daniel chapter 2. I don't know how many dreams he might have had before, but that was the first one that was recorded there in Daniel chapter 2. And when he had this dream, of course, he didn't remember what he dreamed about and um, didn't know what it meant, so he called the soothsayers and the sorcerers and the magicians. He called them all in and said, hey, you need to tell me what my dream was and then tell me what it meant. And, of course, they couldn't do it. And they finally brought Daniel in, and Daniel explained what the dream was and explained to him the interpretation of the dream. And in Daniel chapter 2, what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about, he saw an image, an image of a man. And the head of that image was gold. The arms and the chest were silver. The midsection and thighs were uh, brass. And the legs and the feet were iron and iron and clay. So it had four components of this image that, Nebuchadnezzar saw, and Daniel explained to him what this dream was all about. He said, 
The dream is about the world empires. It's about the Gentile powers that are coming into existence. And he said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. You're the, you're the superior one. You're the greatest of all these kingdoms that are coming. You're the head of gold, but there's an inferior kingdom. He said it's represented by the silver, and that was the Medes and the Persians. And so when the Babylonians went out of power, here came the Medes and the Persians, Darius and Cyrus, those kings that are mentioned in the book of Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, the Medes and the Persians came into existence. When the Medes and the Persians no longer were in power, here came Alexander the Great and the Grecians. And they became the next world empire. And when the Greeks finally uh, were done, the Romans rose to power. The Roman Empire, which they were in existence when uh, Jesus was here on this earth. So you had those four world empires. And by the way, um, it doesn't mention those specifically in Daniel chapter 2. But if you go over to Daniel chapter 8, there, it actually specifically mentions the Medes and the Persians and also mentions the Grecians, um, those world empires that would come into existence. And so, you know, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and, he, and Daniel tells him what it's all about. But Daniel also says in Daniel chapter 2 that when all of these world empires are done, there's coming a kingdom that will not be destroyed. The Babylonians had their time, and the Medes and the Persians and the Roman, or the Grecians, and then the Romans, all these kingdoms are going to rise to power. But after that's done, a kingdom is going to come into existence, and that's the kingdom of God. It rises to power. The kingdom came into existence there. Uh, you know, of course, in the time of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was there. And that kingdom will never be destroyed. And that's what Daniel chapter 2 was all about. And so now we get to Daniel chapter 4, and the king has had another dream. And so if you have your Bible and, and we'll look at it with me, it's, it's not on your sheet, but you can start at verse number 4. And it says here in Daniel 4 and 4 that, again, Nebuchadnezzar's talking about himself. And he said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream." Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. And so here was this man of habit, Nebuchadnezzar. He has a dream, and he does the same thing again what he did in chapter 2. He calls in his soothsayers and his magicians and the Chaldeans and these sages or these wise men in Babylon, and he calls them in and says, tell me what the dream was. They said, we don't know, king. We don't know what happened. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. In my way of thinking, Daniel or Nebuchadnezzar should have just went to Daniel first. I mean, this is what he did in chapter 2, and he's doing it again, and these guys could not give him an answer. And so he just, ultimately, he just falls back on Daniel anyway. Daniel's the one who comes in and tells him the, the dream, verse number 8. It says, but at the last, Daniel came in before me whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, and so he, he brings in Daniel last when he should have brought him in first. And, you know, it made me think how sometimes people, when they need direction or sometimes when people need godly advice, they always default back to the same 
old source. They go back to the same person uh, that they went before the Lord ever entered their life. Um, I, you know, it's just, I think if we need, I think if we need spiritual direction, we need to seek out spiritual people. We need to go to the Word of the Lord. We need to pray. We need to seek out people who have some godly wisdom. And, and if we need spiritual direction, stay off of the internet. It's not there, trust me. Uh, there's a lot of people and there's some good stuff out there, but if you need spiritual advice, pray or read the Bible or talk to godly counsel and a godly elder. And, and perhaps that's what Nebuchadnezzar should have done at the beginning. But Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he, this time he remembered the dream, and he explained it to Daniel. And he sees this large tree flourishing, great branches and leaves and vegetation on this tree, the fruit's there, and it's, 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 it's big, it's mature, and the birds from the area come and they land in this tree, and they build their nest there. The animals in the field, this, remember this is a dream. Dreams don't always, are not always reality. But the uh, animals from the area, they come in and they find shade and rest underneath this tree that Nebuchadnezzar sees in this dream. And then a messenger appears in this dream. And the messenger is from heaven and tells Nebuchadnezzar, the tree is going to be cut down. The vegetation is going to be stripped off of it. It's no longer going to be a place where the animals can come and find rest. It's no longer going to be the place where uh, birds are going to build their nest. But the, the roots and the stump are going to be left of this tree. It's going to be chained to the earth, this, this stump. And then he explains in the dream how that the stump becomes like a wild beast. Again, this is a dream. It's kind of, kind of different. You know how dreams are. And this stump becomes a wild beast and becomes wet with the dew of, uh, of heaven and, and the beast begins to run with the, the wild animals. And he says in that passage of scripture, for a period of seven, seven periods of time. And then at the end of the dream, he tells what the purpose of this dream is. In verse 17, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living, this is why Nebuchadnezzar is seeing this dream, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and he giveth to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. God is trying to communicate to Nebuchadnezzar, hey buddy, I'm in control here. As proud as you might be, as important as you might feel yourself to be, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm in control. And so Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. Daniel tells him, or he tells the dream. Daniel actually interprets the dream. But nothing happens for a year. It's, it's not until a year later that Nebuchadnezzar is taking a walk in his palace and you know he's looking around and he's seeing uh, the wealth and the riches on display. He's feeling the... Uh, I don't know, that he's feeling, how, feeling proud of himself, of all that he's accomplished. He's the ruler of this world empire. And that's when it said in verse number 30, which I think we read on our sheet, that the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon 
that I have built for the house of the kingdom by my might of my power, by the might of my power, the honor of my majesty. So he's feeling good about this. A year later, and that's when the prophecy was fulfilled. That's when it happened to him. The dream comes to pass, and Nebuchadnezzar is driven out among the beasts of the field for a period of seven times. We don't know exactly how long this period of seven times is. People said maybe it was seven years or seven seasons. seasons. But however long Nebuchadnezzar was out, it was enough to change that old, proud, hard heart of that man. And once again, turning back to the Lord, so he would know that the Lord was in charge. We should never underestimate what God can do in people's hearts. <laughs> don't need to uh, write people off or just say that you know, there's no hope for them or think that they're beyond the reach of God. God can reach people. And He knows what's in the heart of people. Even though it's in our nature. Even though we're people, we're human. It's in our nature to become proud of our accomplishments. It's in our nature to to swell up and think, well, it's because of me, it's because of what I've done, it's because of who I am. But it, it's interesting when, when people get that way that God has a way of just, whoa, buddy. God has a way of taking the reins and saying, it's not about you, partner. This is, this is happening because I'm doing it. The good that's happening and the, the, the blessings and all the great things that you're... See, Nebuchadnezzar didn't understand that, but God pulled the reins in on that guy. And that's grace. You think about it, that's, that's God's grace at work when, when people get puffed up and, the God, and then the Lord says, wait a minute, you need to understand, that's the grace of God. He doesn't let us self-destruct always. Sometimes people do self-destruct. But a lot of times God redirects our hearts and changes us and He gives us a time to repent. That's the goodness of the Lord and that's what He did for this man. And so Nebuchadnezzar has the strength So Nebuchadnezzar has the dream, Daniel interprets the dream, tells him what it means. And, of course, Daniel, he was a little bit hesitant at the beginning to even share what the dream meant because Daniel could see, Nebuchadnezzar, this dream is going to affect you. This is about you, what's fixing to happen in your life. And uh, Daniel, you know, he's was, was like, I don't know if I want to say this, I don't know if I want to share this with the king, but... The king assured him, you know, things are going to be fine. You need to tell me what the dream was about. And so that's what Daniel did. Daniel chapter 4, verse 20. Daniel begins to explain the dream to him. And he said, The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, the fruit thereof much, and, and it was meat for all unto the beasts of the field, dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. And then look at verse 22. He said, It is thou, O king, thou art grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And so Daniel tells him, King, it's about you. You are the tree. And, you know, he said, you know, you become great, you become powerful, but the time is coming when you're going to be reduced. You're going to be driven out in the fields. 
Now you think about how hard of a message that would have been for Daniel to say to King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're this wonderful king, this great powerful king, but you need to know what's coming. And I can kind of relate to that sometimes. You stand in front of people and say, you need to get your heart right. You're not, you're not, you're not where you need to be with God. And, you know, I can kind of connect there with Daniel there. Didn't want to tell him what he needed to hear, what was about to happen. And so he, he shares this and, and the, the prophecy is fulfilled and his enemies force him out of the palace and out of reign, out of ruling there in Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had to find a place of humility. Nebuchadnezzar had to find a place where his heart would be changed. And it's something when I, when I study and when I read about this man, Nebuchadnezzar, how he seems to just kind of go back and forth. Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you read Daniel uh, chapter 2 that Brother Jones taught about last week. Daniel chapter 2, after the dream is told and the dream is interpreted, Nebuchadnezzar comes to this place. God, he's the God of all gods. He's the king above all kings. And he, he truly repents. He truly acknowledges the greatness of God. But then you get to chapter 3. And he set up this image out on the plain of Dura. And he said, everybody has to worship the image that I've set up. When the music's played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't worship the image. So they're cast into the fiery furnace. But it happens again to Nebuchadnezzar. He looks in the fiery furnace. He sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in the fiery furnace. They're not hurt. The smell of smoke is not upon them. They're not singed one bit. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and he sees, he calls him the the form of the fourth was like the Son of God, which was an angelic, or the angel of the Lord was in that fire with them. And again, it happens to Nebuchadnezzar. God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's the God of all gods. So he, he kind of goes back and forth, and it happens here again in chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar is puffed up, he's proud, and God has to bring him back down. He has to show him his pride and his ego was getting in the way. That self-sufficient, that independent attitude had kept just kept cropping up in this man Nebuchadnezzar's life. The book of Proverbs says, Proverbs 21 and 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. You believe that? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Donald Trump's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Barack Obama's heart was in the hand of the Lord. Who was the one before him? George W. Bush. It was in the hand of the Lord. And Clinton and the other Bush and Reagan, all of them. It's in the hand of the Lord. But pride. This man, Nebuchadnezzar, puffed up with pride. Pride's destructive, isn't it? It... You know, a lot of people talk about it being one of the seven deadly sins, but it is it is it is destructive. Memory verse I learned as a child: "Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall." The contemporary English version says, "Too much pride will destroy you, because blessings blessings follow humility, and destruction follows pride." It always works that way. Pride. This is interesting, and, and, and it just it kind of hit me as I was studying, but pride gets the attention of God. I know contrition, I know humility, I know um, 
you know, people that are hungry, that gets God's attention. But pride gets God's attention too. And, and that's what happened here. And pride gets the attention of people too. But pride's ugly. It's ugly. And what happens a lot of times when, when a person becomes proud, the only person that they look good to is themselves. When a person is proud, they stand in front of the mirror. My, I'm good looking. Look at that thinning, receding hairline. Uh, look at those guns. Why are you laughing? You're my mother-in-law. But, you know, we look in the, and I'm just kidding. But we look at ourselves, and we're, we're proud. We, we think it's, it's beautiful. But everybody else that looks at us, that's ugly. When, when people get, get puffed up on their accomplishments, and they have to talk about everything that they've done and all that they're doing, and, and they're puffed up, and to themselves, they think, man, I'm doing some good things. But to the people around them, they're thinking, can't they see? Don't they hear how they sound? Don't, don't, don't they have any, any uh, what do they call that, EQ? Don't they understand? You know, pride, pride looks good to the person who's proud. But to, the, to the, everybody else around us, it's, it's pretty ugly. And the pride of Nebuchadnezzar, it got God's attention. Got his attention. And Nebuchadnezzar had opportunities to change course. He had the opportunity to repent, and God allowed him to repent. But he started taking credit for all the good things that were going on in the kingdom. He kept thinking, it's because of me. It's because of what I'm doing. It's because of my leadership abilities. That's, that was going through Nebuchadnezzar's mind. My, what a mighty kingdom I have built here. I've got a mighty army. This is the greatest of all the empires of all. We'd put down the Assyrians. When the Egyptians tried to rise up, we took care of the Egyptians too. That's, that's Nebuchadnezzar. That's what he's thinking about. But God says, you know what? I'm going to have to do a little correction course here. And Nebuchadnezzar, you need to understand that, that you didn't defeat the land of Judah and the Israelites on your own accord. That Nebuchadnezzar, actually it was me that was pulling the strings and orchestrating the events. And when you went in and destroyed Jerusalem and you tore down the walls of Jerusalem, that was me at work. That was me allowing that to happen. You need to understand this, Nebuchadnezzar. And you know, whenever we start taking credit for what God is doing, He's going to correct it. He's going to help us. He's going to redirect our thoughts. When we think we're something, when we think we hung the moon, when we think that we're the one, we're the result of, God's going to say, wait a minute, buddy. And he's going, to, he's going to set us on a correction course. And that's what he did for Nebuchadnezzar. And because of his haughty attitude, because of his prideful spirit, God stepped in and he allowed his enemies to come in and, and drive him out of that position of power. Don't really know who these enemies are. But his pride robbed him of the blessings that God could have done through him. Pride robs people of blessings of the Lord. It's it's bad stuff. And uh, James 4, 6 says this, He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And uh, it's interesting that 
that God actually warned Nebuchadnezzar what was coming and what was about to take place. Maybe not all the details were given, but he let him know what was coming and what was about to take place. And, and, and God brought Nebuchadnezzar down because that's what pride will do to people. Pride is destructive because it breaks the first of all the commandments. Remember what the first commandment is? I shall have no other gods before me. People full of pride, they're breaking the first commandment. They put themselves before the Lord. God is the first. God is to be the first. Amen? God is to be the first and the only God that we have. Amen? He's the only one that we worship. Amen? And pride, when pride creeps in, it asserts that we've taken this place of superiority over God. Pride places us above God. That's the essence of pride, is that we're putting ourselves before the Lord. And you know what the Lord says? You might as well forget it, buddy, because my glory I'm not going to give to another. That's what the Lord says. When God does great things, it's not for our glory. It's for His glory, that He would get the credit out of it. So, so turn to the book of Proverbs with me here, real quick. Proverbs chapter 8. I don't know if I can do this one-handed. And I know my music stand's not going to survive this here. Proverbs chapter 8. It's verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now catch this. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. That's how God feels about it. He hates a proud heart. He hates pride. Flip over to chapter 16 of Proverbs and verse number 5. Proverbs 16, 5, it says, Everyone that is a proud in heart is abomination to the Lord. Though hand should join in hand, he shall not go unpunished. It's an abomination. That means God detests it. God hates it. Uh, and then 21 and 4 of Proverbs. A high look and a proud heart. The plowing of the wicked is sin. He says it's sin. Last one here, Proverbs 29, 23. 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. A man's pride shall bring him low. That's exactly what it does. And Nebuchadnezzar, he serves as an example for us. Man who struggle with pride to the point that it, you know, he's, he's and it, it, it's one of those stories you just wish you had more details about. I mean, because he's out in the field and the imagery that's in the scripture, it's, it's drawn this picture of us that it's a picture of a man who's, who's out eating grass with the oxen. And and you just you wonder now is is that literally what happened? And I, and I think it was what literally what happened that he lost his mental faculties and he lost his ability to reason and he's he's out in the field he's he's just completely lost all of his sanity and he's eating grass with the oxen and just you know 
your imagination or my imagination is just like, man, I, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that looked like. But he's an example for us. And he struggled with the, this pride to the point that it drove him to that place. But God honors humility. God humble, honors the humble. Um, Brother Good, help me here. Job chapter 33, beginning at verse 14. I want to, I want you to look at these verses here. Job chapter 33. I'm just going to read them off the screen because I need both hands here. And, and I came across these verses as, as I was studying, and it, it's like a picture of what took place in Nebuchadnezzar's life. It says, For God speaketh once, yea, twice. Yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose, and hide pride from man. And I thought, that's, that's a picture of Nebuchadnezzar. God spoke to him once, and God spoke to him a second time. And then that third time, in that dream, in that deep sleep, God showed him one more time, and he withdrew. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, this is not about you, buddy. And he withdrew him from what Nebuchadnezzar saw as his intent, and he, what he saw as his purpose, and God withdrew him out and showed him that it's about me to hide pride from man. And so when it, when it comes down to it all and, and, and this dream is interpreted and, and all this takes place, we read in these verses that it says that, uh, and I'm trying to locate the verses here, when it was all over, uh, verse 34, it says that Nebuchadnezzar says, my understanding returned unto me. Something happened in his mind. His, his understanding came back to him. And then it says in... Um, See if I can find the other verse. It says that his reason, verse 36, at the same time my reason returned unto me. And then also in that verse it says brightness returned unto me. And so all this came back to him when he humbled himself. And then verse 37, the last verse on your sheet, he said, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, a lot of times he gets a bad rap. And I understand that. I mean, he's the king of Babylon. And, and I understand what Babylon represents and, and, you know, how it plays a role in the book of Revelation and all that. But I think Nebuchadnezzar, he often gets a bad rap because of what he did in Jerusalem. And, of course, who's the king of he destroys the temple. He takes the vessels of gold and silver back to Jerusalem. He does all this bad stuff. But Nebuchadnezzar, as odd as this might sound, I think there was some good in that man. I really do. I think there was some good in him. Enough to make him repent. Enough for him to turn back to the Lord. And, you know, it's, it's actually well documented in history that this man, Nebuchadnezzar, he was a builder. He built, uh, he built Babylon. He have you ever heard of the seven wonders of the world? One of the seven wonders of the world was the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. That took place under Nebuchadnezzar. And this man, I, I really think there was some good about him, but that pride got the best of him. And I think it's important to remember, and as I wrap up here, I think it's important to remember that, that's, that 
that we always need to keep in mind where success comes from. And because we're human and because we're people, it's, it's easy to take the credit for the good things that are going on. It's easy. Is that okay for a preacher to say that? That it's easy for us to think that it's us, that it's our intelligence, or it's our charisma, or it's, it's our pedigree, or whatever it is. But every good gift... And every perfect gift, it cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. All the good, it comes from the Lord. And as long as we remain humble before the Lord and, and before people, God can use us. You know, God can use anybody He wants to. But humble people, God can use them to accomplish greater things than they could ever imagine. Amazing things what God can do through a person who doesn't see themselves as something special or they're puffed up. So I pray God help us today. God help us to remain real. Help us, Lord, to remain humble before you. And, and Lord, when that pride does crop up, <laughs> when that pride does crop up, God help us not to, not to go too far. Lord, pull the reins in. I am talking to real people, aren't I? God, just pull the reins in a little bit. Don't hit me too hard. Don't knock me around too bad, Lord, but just just prompt my spirit. Convict me. Give me some conviction, Lord. Help me, Lord, to stay humble. And we can do that through prayer, through fasting. Fasting will keep you humble. It'll do that for you. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, today we pray. Lord, we know we're human and we know we're...